Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It is Wednesday, which means it's Everyone Wednesday here on the Bottom Line Show. And I have a special guest coming up this hour who's given us a lot of copies of his book. And for parents, and especially for grandparents who are looking to have a positive influence on kids in the home, uh, Dan Seaborn is going to join me. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, taking on the topics that, quite frankly, uh, the culture is either too afraid to talk about or just flat out confused about. So Dan's going to join me coming up just a few moments to have that conversation. Um, we're also going to have some audio from Governor Ron DeSantis. Of course, the uh, hurricane has hit Florida right now, and it hit as a Category 5 in St. Petersburg area, 150-mile-an-hour winds. And, uh, and Lord, we just come before you right now. We know that there are uh, natural acts that happen in nature that uh, that wind up doing a lot of destruction. And oftentimes I have to wonder if the reason that they're, quote unquote, doing so much destruction is because we put things in their path. Uh, we know that this world isn't perfect either. And things that you created for the good of our uh, environment and things of that nature wind up getting impacted by sin and sinful decisions as well. So we lift up our brothers and sisters in the state of Florida. We're grateful for Governor DeSantis and his leadership. And we pray, Father, as we watch other parts of the country, uh, that are potentially impacted, especially through the Gulf Coast area, uh, that you would uh, be gracious, that you'd be compassionate. And while you're allowing this hurricane to do what it's doing, that uh, you would also be uh, mindful of the needs of your children who are in potentially in harm's way. And we ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You know, I think about what it's, I had friends years ago who, uh, it's ironic because the, the, they were the Yusuf family, uh, really just nice people. And uh, they came from Florida. And I used to tease them about the fact that Michael Youssef, of course, is one of our uh, main pastors with the Leading the Way program here on uh, Bottom Line Show affiliates all across the country. And uh, uh, Homer uh, was the, the husband and his wife, Diane, her main name was Marsh. And so we just kind of had a natural affinity. But she'd talk about the weather in that area because Homer was a, uh, a contractor. He used to work on uh, air conditioning units and things of that nature. They came to California because they had family. They loved being here for a while. And then they moved back to Florida and asked them why. And she said, Diane told me one time, she goes, well, you know, I don't miss the fact that there was flooding and all the damage and everything smelled kind of dank and awful in Florida. But coming to California, people buy a home. They, the home comes with heating and air conditioning and then nothing ever happens to it. In Florida, my husband's working all the time because a hurricane comes through or a tropical storm and everybody's air conditioning gets knocked out. Um, there's a million people right now in Florida that don't have uh, heating. I, most of Cuba is without power right now, all 11 plus million people or whatever who are there. And it's just, it's it's really brutal. But the, the point I wanted to make in this opening segment is the fact that there was a time when people who worked as public servants, and this is to not to, to disparage any of our bottom line show family who work in the public sector. But it, I don't think this is anecdotal. I think we could actually go back and look at the facts. I, I'll compare this to, uh, there's a, a construction project that's going to begin uh, shortly on the uh, 55 freeway. Remember, if you're listening in Colorado or anywhere else in the country, um, we, we do properly identify our highways as the, uh, you take the 10 to the 55 to the 405 to the everyone else say take 18 to 19 to whatever it is. I mean, I think the the system makes more sense than the farm to market system in Texas. But, you know, then again, who am I uh, in the late 80s? Uh, I believe it was the late, late 80s. It finished up around 1989. There's a section of freeway 
in Southern California in Orange County called the Orange Crush. It's where the five, Interstate 5, which goes from the Mexican border to the Canadian border heading north up the coast, um, intersects with it's where uh, California Highway 22 and California Highway 57 uh, kind of splinter off from there. And uh, those roads are, are pretty well known. That intersection is one of the top 10 most traveled intersections every day in the country. And its country cousin, the 5791 interchange just up the road, also in the top 10 in terms of the volume of cars that go through there. If you ever get stuck in what they call the Orange Crush, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just bad traffic. It's among some of the worst traffic in Southern California. When the uh, Caltrans officials are going to be working on widening uh, the 55 freeway, which used to be the, kind of a two-lane highway going all the way from Anaheim down to Newport Beach. And uh, there was a groundbreaking ceremony not too long ago. They're, they're starting to do the improvement project. They're going to improve a stretch of highway there that is going to get another regular lane in each direction and a carpool lane in each direction as well to help alleviate some of the traffic between that 555 interchange of the bear and the 55405 interchange, also a bear. When California Highway, Department of Highway, uh, what we call it, Caltrans, uh, Department of Highway Transportation, uh, embarked on this project, they were taking money from uh, state transportation authorities and you know, funding and this, that, and the other thing to widen this road. The project officially began last week, $475 million to knock this down about three, four miles. It is going to take over three and a half years to complete that project. And if you've ever driven through areas, there's some places in Coachella Valley, in South Orange County, in LA, it just seems the whole bit through the five freeway going up to the city of industry and commerce, it, they're perpetually, they're in a perpetual state of destruction and construction. The interchange that we now refer to as the Orange Crush, where the 57 freeway was built and the five and the 22 and all put together, I. I I'm going to, this is anecdotal, was basically done in about 18 months, maybe two years. They completed that project at lightning speed. And here's the reason why, simply put. Well, there was a certain measure of urgency. This is a horrible traffic area, and we need to do something to alleviate some of the traffic. So those uh, HOV lanes were put in, and uh, they, they kind of rerouted some of it and redirected it. But also, when the developer who had the project was offered the contract, they bid on it, there was no pre, uh, uh, no penalty for finishing it early. So if it took five years or 10 years or 18 months, everybody was going to get the same money. So needless to say, they worked on that seven days a week around the clock and got it done in record time. Nowadays, it's, hey, we got a $475 million grant basically from the state and federal government to work on this four-mile stretch of highway or whatever it is between the 55 Five interchange and the 55405 interchange. Let's take three and a half years to do that. Uh, can you imagine what Florida would be like if we had the same response from FEMA? And I mean, think about that. Yeah, sorry about that category five hurricane that knocked out St. Petersburg. You know, in five to 10 years, we'll have all the power back on. Really? I mean, really? Welcome to the world in 2022. But one thing we will have a conversation about uh, later in the broadcast today is 
who's in charge and what kind of leaders are we getting? Are we getting the kind of leaders? Remember, John Rush on the uh, National Crawford Roundtable likes to say, don't forget that everyone we elect on Election Day, they work for us. We vote them in office. They work for us. If we don't like them, we fire them every two years and we bring in somebody else. So don't feel like it's a choice of oh, hold my nose and what am I going to do? It's just, you know, that's that's not the that is not the point. Elections do have consequences, but I just have to wonder what is it about our culture that's gotten us to the point where that attitude, that prevailing attitude, well, we're just going to bake in all this extra time because we'll have steady work and we like that. I know that not all public employees work in that way, and especially it's dangerous work working through the middle of the night on building a highway. So please don't miss here what I'm saying about that. But in terms of the overall project, if your company were getting $475 million to get to do this, wouldn't you want to get done in half the time and find other work to do and make more money? Just a thought. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, let's get into this conversation about the culture wars and how it is, or I should say the culture battles, and how it is that we as parents and especially grandparents are finding ourselves really at odds with younger generations and we don't really know what to do. Dan Seaborn is an author, he's a pastor, he's a ministry leader, he's a dad and grandpa. He's the founder of Winning at Home Ministries, which is an organization that supports marriages and families. He's also the speaker and leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors, AACC. He's written a new book that I think will help us because the subtitle is for parents as well as grandparents. The book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Their Parents and Grandparents. Well, I added the grandparents part. Dan's a grandpa. I'm a grandpa. We're going to have a great dialogue about this. A link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan Seaborn joins me next at The Bottom Line Continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, I want to get into a topic that is it's kind of the 800-pound gorilla, the elephant in the room, whatever you want to talk about. And that is the fact that in American society today, we are living through, I think, the first, if not the second generation of parents who don't really have an upper hand when it comes to raising kids in the culture. And for us who are in the grandparenting season, you've definitely seen that when your grandkids are over or you're hanging out with them and they're doing things that you would never, ever, you know, have gotten away with, with your kid, with your parents. And then you would not have put up with them as well when you were raising their, their parents who are now uh, raising their own kids. How do we win these battles at home? Well, today here on the bottom line show, uh, joined by Dan Seaborn, who's the founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries, which is an organization that supports marriages and families. He's an author, a speaker, and the leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors, where our good friend Dr. Tim Clinton is the founder and president. Dan is the author of a brand new book called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents, and I should add, and Grandparents, too. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan Seaborn, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. Good to be with you. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share with you. Well, let's talk about this because let, let's face it. I mean, when it gets right down to what we used to raise kids during seasons, right? You know, there was the infant season, toddler season, elementary school season, you know, by the time middle school and high school, you could still kind of keep a leg up on the competition. Nowadays, you've got parents who are saying, wait, it, it doesn't work like that. I mean, not only does the culture counter to our Christian faith, but we get pretty strong opposition against that as well. Uh, where was the genesis for this book born? I mean, what, what was it a study? Was it just your own personal observation? What, what led you to write this book, Winning at Home? 
Uh, actually, Salem Communication, who published it, they reached out probably a year and a half ago and just said, Dan, you know, with all that's going on in our culture, with all the changes that have happened, and obviously at that point, we were not at the end of the pandemic. We were mm-hmm. still going through it. And at our office here at Winning at Home, we had seen probably an increase from 120 calls a month to for coaching and counseling to 220 calls a month. And oh uh, somebody knew our ministry, knew what we did and just said, okay, you guys must be dealing with a lot of the onslaught of what we're facing and what kids and teens are, are facing through this time. Would you be willing, would you consider tackling some of these topics? And honestly, Roger, I took my time. I didn't say yes to that right away. I I took some time to pray about it. I even talked to our counselors, our clinicians here. And I said, if I tackle these topics, will you work with me? And we partnered together, our whole team. And I just said to Salem, if you'll give us some time and let us really ground the book, the foundation of the book being on biblical values, biblical truth, because I'm, I'm just one who does not believe buying into everything the culture throws at us is the answer. And right. so many people are doing that right now. It's just not a solid foundation. So this book was an attempt to deal with what I would call some of the chaos going on in our culture and give a little bit of clarity to it. And we're, we sought to do that. And this is the result. You know, it's a, it's a great resource. And, and for those who are listening and saying, okay, well, I heard the title, Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. I should point out that even though Dan has this very youthful way about him, uh, he and I are contemporaries. He and his wife, Jane, have been married nearly 40 years. Yes, They're the yes. parents of four, and they have seven grandkids, too. So in yes. terms of understanding for our, the, the bulk of our audience are in that grandparenting season, but a lot of them are in parenting as well. So uh, if you are listening to this and saying, okay, well, I'm this this isn't for me. This is absolutely a book for you, which is part of the reason why I love it so much. Uh, Dan, I'm glad that you did the research, that you did the due diligence, that you are, are talking about the fact and giving us as parents and grandparents the opportunity to say, you know what? I never shared shared this with anybody else, but I don't know that I would want to be a parent today. The culture is so weird and there's so much opposition to our uh, our faith in the public square. It, it really is a challenge. What, where did you start in terms of identifying? I, mean, I, I don't think it'd be a question of saying, what are the uh, what are the challenges? It's like, which ones would you leave out of the book? Because this book would be a thousand pages long if you put all the problems in it. Well, one of the things I did right at the beginning, the first chapter is dealing with our own foundation. You're so right. I mean, as parents and grandparents, and I'm a grandparent, as a grandparent, I believe this is a season for me to really understand my own identity, who I am, who I am in Christ, because our kids, our grandkids are struggling with that. And they're going to need to look what I would call an adult in the room, someone who is setting that example, modeling for them. Uh, long term, you know, you may have some issues you deal with that you don't get a, a quick answer to, or there's not a quick turnaround. But again, parenting, grandparenting is for the long haul. I always say, don't judge your kids. Don't even think about judging yourself as a parent until your kids are at least 30. So, you know, <laughs> as, a, as a grandparent, here yeah. I am sitting right now, and I still got a couple of kids who still struggle with stuff. And so it's just very important that we as grandparents and then as parents, find our foundation and find our identity in Christ. You know, if someone comes to our office, a teen, a kid, all of our counselors are trained in this perspective of making sure they don't start with their identity in some sexuality or gender. All the, Don't go there first. Let your identity first be found in Christ. And then a lot of the other things will work themselves out the proper way. And what a season 
for us grandparents who are in that stage of life to understand what we're modeling for our kids is huge. I mean, I was with my nine-year-old grandkid yesterday. He's my oldest. I was driving him home. Uh, his parents live a little ways out from, from the area he had soccer practice. So I picked him up driving him home. I'm talking about these things. I'm saying to him, Hey man, just know you're God's kid. You're going to face some stuff. You're going to face some questions. Your identity is going to be questioned. You're going to question your own identity in the culture that we're in. Don't you dare forget who made you. God made you, has a purpose for your life. And those are what this book is about. And I deal with that in the very first chapter, that if you don't have a solid foundation, then the rest of it is just a waste of your time. You got to have that foundation in the Lord, that foundation on his word. And that's what this book's about. I'm talking with Dan Seaborn today here on The Bottom Line. If you're watching at myhopenow.com, you're watching a conversation that we've got going on Zoom as well. Uh, Dan Seaborn is the founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries. He's uh, uh, the leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors. His brand new book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. And we have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I find so frustrating in the culture right now is the fact that when it comes to faith, it's not enough that the culture is moving so far to the left in terms of what it means to be a boy or a man or a girl or a woman, th those types of things. But oftentimes it's the, uh, how, how shall I say it, the so-called theologian at the New York Times who takes a piece of scripture out of context, writes a 750 word article about it that goes viral. And next thing you know, you got people in church either scrambling to try to defend it and not doing a good job or ignoring it and hoping it'll just go away. That's the culture that we're living in now. And I can see why a lot of parents and some grandparents are scared too. What, what do you say to that, 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 that parent right now who says, look, I go to scripture and try to find answers for the things that are in there. And I don't always see them. I mean, it's not, I wish God would say thou shalt not be transgender, you know, or whatever, but, but I don't see that there. Dan Seaborn, what do you recommend to the parent who says, I'm wrestling with that right now and I don't know where to turn in scripture to find the answer? Do, do the research to make sure you are aware of what scripture says. And in the book, we have some things speaking to the ver those very issues. That's one of the things we took time to do was identify some scriptural passages, some very strong biblical passages that give you that foundational truth. It's, it's there and not all the answers are perfect. You know, Roger, I would just say any parent, any grandparent having a conversation with your kid, uh, there are going to be times that you need to look at your kid and say this, I don't know. Let mm. me check into that and I'll get back with you. One of the wisest parents I know that I'm watching right now has a 17 year old, 13 year old, 10 year old. And she was telling me the other day about her 17 year old came with a transgender question, came with same sex issue question. And she literally said, I did this. I went, I don't know. I want to get back to you on that. And she took her time, researched it, wrote Smart. a beautiful, she actually showed me the letter. She wrote her daughter. Oh my goodness. I said, your daughter's going to carry that with her the rest of her life. Oh, so wonderful. it's okay as parents sometimes to say, I'm not sure. And I don't want to give you a quick answer because I might give you a wrong answer. So let me take some time and research that. And I actually think your kid will appreciate it because the people around them are giving them their opinions. Everybody's got an opinion mm -hmm. and those opinions are not long lasting. And so as a parent, it's okay for you to struggle through it yourself, understand where you're at, understand what you need to believe from God's word, and then take your time in sharing that with your kids. So don't feel you have to have all the answers. And that's one of the things this book won't do. Like you won't turn to page 12 and go here, here's exact three things because every kid's different. <laughs> 
Every right. family's different. I mean, Roger, the way you do your family, I do my family. They're totally different. Right. But our goal long term is to make sure we draw our children to a strong relationship with Christ. And I know that's your goal, too. We might do it two different ways, but we got to be able to do the research to know exactly how we're going to lead and guide our family. Great counsel from Dan Seaborn today here on The Bottom Line, founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries and author of the brand new book called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More practical tips that you can use to uh, win that war, the culture war at home with your confused kids or grandkids and the fact that there are parents in your world. Maybe you're that parent who's a little scared of what's happening in the culture right now and you're looking for some calm and some peace more of my conversation with dan seaborn in just a moment as the bottom line continues want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk dennis wilson and wilson financial services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge you have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dan Seaborn is my guest today here on the program the founder of Winning at Home Ministries and uh, the lead speaker for the American Association of Christian Counselors and the segment that they do in ministry that's so vital these days. It's the Marriage and Family Network of AACC. Um, Dan's a great communicator, and we're loving having this conversation about his brand new book. It's called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. And the reason I wanted Dan on the program today is because Dan and I are both we're contemporaries, which is a fancy way of saying we're about the same age. Dan is the father of four. I'm the father of six. Dan is the grandfather of seven. I'm the grandfather of three and three quarters. Uh, grandson number two, grandchild number four, should be here in about three weeks. And we're super excited. Uh, we're not excited that he will be born in Dallas, Texas. But but we get it. You know, it's like to live in the People's Republic of California. That is your story, right? Uh, but the the title of the book of the subtitle, you know, talk about topics that confuse kids and scare parents. I threw grandparents in there too, because as Rick Johnson, a friend and colleague of mine, who's uh, he and his wife, Suzanne are raising their granddaughter now who they've adopted. There are millions of grandparents that are legally the primary care. I mean, the, either the kids are kind of being fostered by their grandparents or they're being raised by their grandparents, but also too, you know, there are times when let's be honest, I mean, I'm 61. Not that old, but I'm old. Uh, and I know there are times when you hear kids talking and you just want to go, ah, you know, what, what are they talking about? What do they know? But understanding that Generation Z, uh, young people ages 12 to 25, and millennials, generation uh, 26 to 40, that's the biggest voting block in America. That's the biggest uh, demographic in America right now. I mean, <clears throat> there are more of them than there are of us. And they think differently and they think differently because they watched our example. Well, baby boom and Gen X, if you're greatest generation, you're off the hook, but 
they watched the baby boom and Gen X kind of create this alternate reality. And one of the big questions that kids have is about sex and sexuality and about gender identity. There are a lot of kids who left the church and went in that direction, not because they thought it was the best way to go, but because when they brought their concerns to the church, the church was silent, the church was deflecting, the church was belligerent, or the church just basically said, go pray it away and come back when you're all better. You know, And, and I'm not suggesting that the church is completely complicit here. Each of us is responsible for our own sin. But there are a lot of young people, and George Barnett tells us, and we're going to hear from George again tomorrow on the program. George Barnett tells us that the, the number of Christians that hold a biblical worldview in this country, of all Christians, is about 9%. But the number of Generation Z and millennials who hold a biblical worldview is about 3%. And <clears throat> quite frankly, I know a lot of pastors who someone comes in with a transgender question or a same-sex attraction question or a can I live with my girlfriend or boyfriend question or what do you mean it's not okay to use drugs recreationally question the bible doesn't say you shouldn't look at porn well the bible says don't put evil things before your eyes so yeah it does say that the bible doesn't say don't smoke cigarettes it's like well it doesn't it also says your body's a temple of the holy spirit so take care of it <clears throat> but these are topics that are confusing kids in the culture because there is not a moral majority any longer in this country and they scare parents and grandparents to the point where you just don't talk about them anymore. And I'm glad Dan has written this book. It's called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have four copies of this book to give away. And it's Everyone Wednesday, so everybody who calls is going to win something. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Dan Seaborn in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Right after you get into an accident, you need to call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to begin the process of healing. Too many people make the wrong choice and try to handle their case on their own. Don't be gullible. Your insurance company does not have your best interests in mind. Their job is to save money, not help you recover. Stephanie's priority is you. She will help you recover wholly, mind, body, and spirit, as well as get you the settlement you deserve. Begin your recovery by contacting Stephanie first and follow her instructions to streamline your healing process. Stephanie has over 25 years of experience and knows how to get you healed and restored. Although your friends and family may have good intentions, they are not personal injury attorneys and therefore they do not know the best way to help you. Stephanie Cover does and she will help you put the pieces back together financially, physically and spiritually. You need to write down her number now. 877-214-4935 or go to kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Your healing begins with Cover Law. Get the help that you need with Stephanie Cover, especially when you find yourself in a bind. You've been in a personal injury case, uh, accident, and now you're wondering, how am I going to get my car fixed? Will I be able to drive to work? Will I have enough money to pay the bills? Let Stephanie solve that problem for you. Call her at 877-214-4935 today. Dan Seaborn is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. If you're listening to our radio program or our podcast or watching the video podcast at myhopenow.com, you see Dan's a very handsome guy. And, uh, and, and as a parent of four kids, grandparent of seven, you and your wife have been married for 
nearly 40 years and you're still smiling and you Bad. still have that glow about you, Dan, that speaks, I think it speaks volumes about uh, your, your qualifications, not only as the founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries and the leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors, but uh, that you, you give us hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to raising our kids and encouraging our grandkids. And that light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. So the book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. The book's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan, during the break, we were talking about one of the big challenges that you have in working with parents and with grandparents about this issue is they want to solve the problem with what's going on with their kids, but they kind of don't want to know what the problem is. Don't tell me, Yeah. you know, yeah. just what are some of the things that kids are telling you when they're coming to you and saying, hey, I got this issue with the church, my parents, et cetera. Yeah, I want to dive into that. But before I even do, I think it's really important for me to be transparent, honest here that, you know, I, I didn't do it perfectly. I have four kids and my youngest went wayward, Roger. And, you know, when you said that about a smile on my face, if you had told me, if we go back even six, seven years, if you had told me I would get my smile back, I would have mm. said to you how, because uh, my daughter was wayward, got involved in drugs hardest years of my life. And mm. so somebody listening or watching today who says, well, I don't relate to these guys. They have perfect lives. Not me, mm -hmm. not you probably, Roger. We all, right. we all have stuff we deal with. And for me, it was having to come to the realization that I really don't ultimately have control over all these things. Right. Uh, Anna, my daughter who was wayward, she's God's kid first. And I had to learn the hard way what that meant. And so as I answered this question about what people are dealing with, one of the things we're trying to help them see is the more you give your children to the Lord, give them godly guidance, they get to make their choices. I mean, I've got four adult kids right now. I don't make their choices for them. They make their own choices. And part of parenting is learning to guide them in that way. I describe parenting these days as broken people raising more broken people. <laughs> and so without the Lord, I think we end up in a broken mess. And so Amen. our goal at Winning at Home is to guide these teens, these kids who are coming in. And right now, Roger, probably the, the top thing we're seeing is anxiety and depression. It, it's off the roof uh, here. We're dealing with teen suicide issues here. And it's coming from the uncertainty in our society. And you know, social media, the news, all these things that are around us all the time, they affect us as parents. So our kids are looking at us as parents and going, okay, if mom and dad are anxious, if mom and dad are dealing with anxiety or depression, I, it's going to filter right down to them. So they're watching us again, as I go back to the beginning, that foundation, that modeling uh, the joy of the Lord, even in the middle of tough stuff, is is guiding our kids in a proper way. And so this idea of helping our kids when they're dealing with anxiety, depression, which are two different things. Anxiety is more short term, yes. something a kid's struggling with at school or relationship with a friend is something that comes up, creates that extra fast heartbeat anxiety in their spirit. Depression, depression is more long-term. It's something that after you've had a whole lot of anxiety over a period of time, you go into depression. I dealt with that with my daughter. When she was wayward, I went into depression. I didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, mm. I traveled across the country and preached. I did my job, but it was barely putting one foot in front of the other. And so wow. some parent, grandparent listening today who's at that spot, I get it. 
So I want to give you a couple tips with that. Uh, with, with the anxiety part, with a child, with a teen, one of the things that our lead uh, child therapist here has done is written a little book called Peanut Butter Pie. And she said, you know, all kids love peanut butter pie. So she said, what I've tried to do is help a child understand if they can remember peanut butter pie, we're going to take the PBP. She said the P stands for the first P stands for pause. She said, mm -hmm. like, teach your child, sit with them on the couch when they're anxious and say to them, what are you feeling? Why are you so anxious? She said, let them say it. Because so often as parents, we want to just tell them, you don't need to be anxious. That's going to be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. She said, let them express it. Let them say it. Listen to them. Don't try to cut them off, fix it. Just pause. Let them speak. Secondly, breathe. Just tell them, all right, let's take a couple of breaths here. It's going to be okay. You are going to get past this and even share how you've had anxiousness and you got past the anxiousness as a parent. And then the last P is pray. So pause, breathe, pray, and then you teach that little principle to your child. They're on the playground, they're at school. They can remember peanut butter pie. Oh, yeah, pause, breathe, pray. So they mm -hmm. learn to handle the anxiety in their own spirit. And then with depression, um, the best way for me to describe depression is to tell what I was feeling. When I was going through that wayward time with my daughter, uh, these were the things I kept telling myself, you're no good. Man, you dropped the ball as a parent wow, you've really failed. And she was telling me that she didn't like me as a parent. Wow. Even my own daughter hates me. So repeating that stuff to my, that those statements to myself over time, I just got depressed and I actually was believing a lie. A lot of depression mm. is believing something that isn't true because you've told yourself over and over and over true, that particular yeah. thing. And so I think it's very important when you're in depression, make sure you're talking with someone about that, because if, if they say back to you, that's just not true. Listen to them. They're trying to help you break that depression cycle. And then secondly, when I was in that spot, you know, my counselor was working with me it's kind of nice for me. I've got 30 counselors around me. So I just walk <laughs> in the office that I want to walk into. And I'm like, look, I'm depressed. I said, I don't want to admit it, but I don't want to do a thing. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to see anybody. Somebody walks up to me in the grocery store and goes, oh, Dan, how's your family? I don't want mm. to speak to them. Right. So I said to this counselor, how do I deal with that? And they actually encouraged me uh, in this particular thought. They said, well, you got to break that negative pattern. And one of the ways you do that is to do something you enjoy. And, and the counselor said to me, I just want you to do something you enjoy for two minutes. I was like, I don't want to. And he goes, I know you don't, but do something you enjoy for two minutes. What he didn't tell me was he was hoping two minutes became four minutes, became six minutes. Mm -hmm. So breaking that pattern. And, and right. for me, it sounds crazy, but I collect basketball cards. So I hey. got my cards out. <laughs> I looked cool. at them, yeah. you know, and it, it, it began to help me go, okay, there's more to life than my daughter being wayward. I got some other things over here I enjoy. Sometimes depression is just because we're focused on that negative pattern. Right. And if you can change the path, you need to do that. If you need to see a counselor, see a coach, please take that step because there's no reason for you to live in that depression. And sometimes mm -hmm. there are other things that need to be involved and your counselor will guide you in that. And then obviously I would add that third part of just pray. I mean, I know for me, it was God, you got to help me because I cannot do this alone. And right. I do believe uh, I do have a joy on my, uh, I do have joy. I do have a smile again on my face, Roger, but it certainly wasn't because I pulled it off. It's because God, the father showed me that he's with me even in the bottom of my well. Dan Seaboard, I really appreciate your transparency in that because you just ministered to thousands of parents mm -hmm. who are looking at mm -hmm. that season right now. And I know I think you'd mentioned your youngest daughter. What is it with youngest kids? 
and doing that stuff, right? I mean, my easiest couple, kid. I mean, yeah. she was yeah. so easy to raise. And then uh-huh. when she gets 16, you know, yeah. and, and I would go to, I would say to you, she even says to me, dad, what was wrong with me? I'm like, let's talk about mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. it's because her mind and, and, and especially drugs, you just don't think clear. So right. when a child gets involved in that stuff, especially in our society right now, there's so many opportunities for things to be distractions in their yes. life, distracting yes. them from their real purpose. And so it's just where we're at as a culture. Hey, Dan, we got about 60 seconds left in our conversation. I'm talking with Dan Seaborn today of Winning at Home Ministries. The book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I know we've been talking a lot about adolescent behavior, but you also address the fact that, you know, one of these things where, as you said early on, you don't really get a chance to pull out the report card as to how you did as a parent until your kids turn at least 30. And I know a lot of parents are wrestling with the idea, hey, wait, you're 25. I, I figured you would be at a certain point by now. You're, you should, you know, 30, 35, whatever the mile markers are. How does this resource winning at home help the parent who says, okay, that might be your story with younger kids, but my kids are in their 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s. Are there principles in there to help them as well? Certainly. I believe as I've aged, one of the most challenging things in life is parenting adult children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would not have said that uh, until I reached this stage. You know, my kids are at the age where uh, they're looking at my life and they're wanting to make sure they don't uh, copy the mistakes that I handed to them. And I remember doing that with my parents. So it's just part of a process. It's part of the stage. It's part of the maturity. And yes, we have a chapter in there that deals with that. But for all of us parents, I want to say something to you you'll never be perfect. Take that pressure off yourself. As a grandparent, you won't even do that perfectly. Your kids will tell you and remind you of that. So just be faithful to find your own purpose, your own value. And that's what happened for me, Roger. I I know the Lord again showed me, Dan, I have a purpose for you. When I live into that purpose, I parent a whole lot better. And I would just encourage parents to continue to find your purpose in the Lord. I love it. Parenting according to your purpose. Dan Seaborn with Winning at Home Ministries. Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents is the brand new book. We highly recommend it here at The Bottom Line Show. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for your tenacity and our getting together for this time for this recording and uh, also your flexibility as well. And God bless you and your family as you continue to grow in this great season of ministry. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much for allowing me to partner with you. Oh, I love that partnership. And uh, Dan Seaborn's book, Winning at Home, is up at thebottomlineshow.com, as I mentioned. It is also in Teresa's hot little hands right now. And I'd love to put a copy in your hands. We have four copies of this book to give away. So everybody who calls asking for this basically is probably going to get what they want, which is the book, Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. And I changed the subtitle to add in and also grandparents. If you are doing life with your adult kids right now and you wonder who these people are, this book will help you. If you have grandkids that you are providing some kind of primary care for, uh, you're interacting with them on a regular basis, this book will help you. If you are a parent, not everybody of our age is in grandparent mode. You may be a start over mom or dad and you've got, you know, middle schoolers at home and you're wrestling with it too. This is a great resource. Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents and Grandparents by Dan Seaborn, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Give us a call. We want to get you one of these books. As we continue, um, a parent who's doing a little bit of parenting from the pulpit of politics, uh, the governor of Florida, 
made some remarks earlier today with regard to the Category 5 now hurricane that finally hit the coast of uh, Florida late last night and early into today, a million or so people without power. What did Ron DeSantis say that prompted one reporter to accuse the governor of politicizing this and caused the governor to give him a kind of a taste of his own medicine? We're going to hear that clip coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Dan Seaborn, the founder of Winning at Home Ministries, and the author of the brand new book called Winning at Home, tackling the topics that confuse kids and scare parents, and I've added scare grandparents in there too. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We are giving away four copies of this book right now. And it's everyone Wednesday here at the Bottom Line Show, so uh, if we have 10 callers, Everyone's getting something, but the first four that ask for it are going to receive Dan Seaborn's book. And that chapter in there on parenting your adult children is gold. Uh, if for no other reason you want a copy of this book, if you've got an adult child who's maybe a little wayward, maybe they're, you know, and this works both ways. I mean, sometimes we hear a lot about the adult child who is, uh, you know, maybe they had a kind of a rebellious teen cycle, like Dan described with his daughter. And they eventually, Proverbs 22, 6, when they're older, don't depart from the way they were raised in the faith. But sometimes it, it, it can go in the other direction where you have a child who was brought up in your home. They adopt your values. And then maybe if they you grew up in a non-denominational church going home, they go Greek Orthodox or Catholic or something like that. And then they look at you like you're the problem. And all of a sudden you have a kind of a communication breakdown in the other direction. So uh, this is a great resource for that and other parenting and grandparenting issues too. Dan Seaborn's book, Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line, as I mentioned earlier. It's Everyone Wednesday, so in addition to the four copies of this book that we have, everyone who calls in is going to win something. You know, Dan mentioned something that I think is real. <laughs> And uh, if you've ever experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When his youngest daughter went through her rebellious stage, when she chose to abuse drugs and to hang with the proverbial wrong crowd, um, it led him as a pastor, as a counselor, as the guy who leads the marriage and family network for the American Association of Christian Counselors. It really spun him, knocked him off his course, threw him into a great depression. And he said coming out of that depression was, you know, first of all, counseling. And I appreciate the winsomeness of him saying, well, it's not like I couldn't find a counselor when I have 30 of them who report to me directly. So having someone to talk to about the issue was a huge thing for him. But he also mentioned doing things that you enjoy, even if it's just for a couple of minutes a day or a couple of, you know, moments a day. And I, this has taken me a long time. I'm just full confessional to understand. I'm very task oriented, very type A driven grew up in a home where parents were always going out and doing and achieving things. And even the stuff that they did for recreation had some kind of purpose to it. So I'm not the kind of person who is gradually going to wander into, you know, kind of a, a hobby or something like that just for recreation. And, and well, recreation, you need to kind of recreate your soul. I was reading last weekend about a classic car show and it kind of made me smile because I realized I have a friend who, who does this type of thing too. Um, Cruising for a Cure was the car uh, show at Costa Mesa. And the idea was the program would raise awareness about, uh, you know, taking action when it comes to uh, prostate cancer. Uh, every uh, event had free prostate cancer screenings. 
uh, medically supervised, of course. And uh, one of the guys who was attending there said that he is a prostate cancer survivor. And um, he said the reason he did was, quite frankly, as he put it, he says, I, I, I like my kids. Um, I, I really, you know, I, I want them to, you know, get screened, my sons, when they get older. But just, I was fortunate because I had a wife who basically sat on me until I go do this, go get checked every single year. And here in Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, uh, Cruising for a Cure uh, is one of those organizations that does this. I mean, the woman who started it actually started the car show after her husband was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And she said, you know, guys like to go to car shows and look at all their, you know, the, the cool toys they've got. And I know that where I, Lisa and I live in an area right now where there are a couple of these every Saturday. And every now and again, we'll be out taking a look and watching and i i'm gonna watch these people who participate I'm, I'm certainly not a car collector i don't really collect much of anything except you know bills and <laughs> stuff like to trash that piles up before i process it but i i have a newfound appreciation for the people who say look i have a hobby and this is something i just do for fun because i realized that you may be encountering some people who are going through some really tough struggles in life and taking a moment out to uh to hang and with people who collect cars or like musical instruments or, you know, whatever it is. Um, there, there's a lot of value to that, especially as you're dealing with this. And, and for the parents who are in the thick of it right now, and for us as grandparents who are trying to spur them on and coach them and encourage them, you, you've, I have, let's see, we have three, three of our six kids are parents. And uh, one's doing the long distance thing and the other two, moved to get a better opportunity in, in Texas. And we love the things that they're doing with their kids some of the times. And some of the times we look and go, wow, I think I might have done that differently. And other times we look and go, wow, that, they're dealing with stuff that we don't have to. We never did when they were coming up. You want to be supportive of your adult children, for sure, if they're in the parenting season. But you also have to manage and navigate those relationships a little differently. And the reason why I love this book is that Dan Seaborn writes it from the perspective of not only a father, but also as a grandfather. And it's, it's kind of an anomaly in that regard. He's not the young dad who says, hey, I've raised two boys to ages five and three, and you can too. You know, this is, Dan's got a lot of, he and his wife been very nearly 40 years. So they've got a lot of experience. Winning at home, tackling the topics that confuse kids and scare parents, parents in every season of life. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and four copies of the book to give away here on this Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a break and when we come back, an update on Hurricane Ian. And what did Ron DeSantis say that got a political reporter all hot and bothered that made him say something that got Ron DeSantis all hot and bothered? We're going to take a listen to that clip coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the bottom line show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278. We're giving away copies of Dan Seaborn's book, Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. We have four copies of this book to give away, and we will be giving them away until the top of the hour. But everybody who calls in uh, today is going to win something on Everyone Wednesday. Uh, by the way, our thoughts and prayers going out to the uh, families of the six people who were shot at a campus in Oakland, California. Uh, three of the victims in critical condition, uh, lockdowns, multiple schools involved. Uh, the conditions of the other three are uh, unknown right now, while well, those three are in critical condition. And that's according to a spokesman with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. Lord God, we pray for your healing. 
for those who've been victimized by this. And and as uh, the press go to press and go to war and do what they do with regard to uh, what's happening and what are the real issues, may we not be distracted from what the real issues are. They're dealing with the evils that make people go and want to shoot up a school campus or a shopping mall and help us to understand that first and foremost, our goal is to preach the good news of the gospel, not to be so focused on gun control or lack thereof or whatever that we miss sight of the real calling that you know, we have one assignment here, and that's go into all the world and preach the gospel first and foremost. And so help us to be good citizens of uh, here in the United States of America, but also understand that our true citizenship lies in heaven. And thank you for being a God who we can interact with who's not a statue somewhere uh, or some kind of uh, uncaring deity, but rather you are living and active and your word is with us. Thank you, Father, for being that God for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as you can imagine, uh, Florida is in front and center in everyone's mind right now. And of course, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida and he's made a considerable noise during this political season. He's up for re-election. I mean, to full disclosure here. But he's also, I think, handled uh, things in the, uh, the Sunshine State remarkably, and uh, especially now when the Sunshine State is becoming Hurricane Alley with Hurricane Ian making his way to shore. It's a heavy Category 4, and one of the things that researchers are saying is problematic with Hurricane Ian is that it's moving so slowly. You know, it seems to be kind of, it was a Category 3 before it got to Cuba, did some damage there. Now it's up to a strong 4. It could be a 5 in another day or two if it keeps going. Anyway, uh, the governor had a press conference earlier today. He was updating on FEMA requests, things of that nature. He did, in fact, proactively and preemptively uh, declare a state of emergency so federal officials could be ready to go with troops and monies and whatever they need. But I want you to hear this little exchange from Ron DeSantis uh, because this is from yesterday afternoon. Um, listen to how the governor is giving his response to the crisis and then what, how he handles the reporter. Todd, let's go ahead and roll the clip. FEMA Administrator Chris Wells said today that she acknowledged concerns that uh, Florida's, as was said, lacks response to the storm so far, and that whoa, some whoa, whoa, whoa. give me a break. That is nonsense. Stop politicizing, okay? Stop it. We declared a state of emergency when this thing wasn't even formed. We've had people in here. You've had counties doing. Uh, they've done a lot of hard work, and and honestly, you're trying to attack me. I get, but like you're attacking these other people who've worked very hard, and so so that's just totally false. Um, I don't think we've ever, certainly since I've been governor, declared a state of emergency this early. Uh, we made sure that we were very inclusive with it. We said that there was a lot of uncertainty, and and we've worked to make sure um, the preparations that have been done and all the the stuff. You talk to the people at the counties when they've needed something stuff gets there very quickly because of what kevin and his team have done you know it's interesting to hear that that the director of fema or the administrator at dn criswell would say uh according to the reporter uh that florida was uh lax in their response to the storm so far um when you preemptively contact fema and declare a state of emergency that's not uncommon by the way for governors to do so um in, in california uh, if there's an earthquake, for example, you have to move really quickly. But if a storm is coming, it is incumbent upon those who are in leadership to preemptively declare a state of emergency. Well, all that does is it mobilizes the federal government. Remember what happened during <laughs> Hurricane Katrina. President Bush is in office. He contacts Mayor Nagan. He contacts the governor of Louisiana and says, are you ready to implement a state of emergency? And both of them say no. We don't need it. We'll be fine. You know what happens next? 
the hurricanes hit, the levees expand, the levees eventually break, and then there's Mayor Nagan on television. Why doesn't somebody do something? To which I would respond, well, sir, that somebody is named Ray Nagan. And you were the one who was supposed to actually make this all happen. I mean, you were the one who could have preemptively started this. You and Kathleen Blanco, the governor, could have very easily put the wheels in motion to have the National Guard there and ready, the funding ready to go, but both Governor Blanco and Mayor Nagan decided in Louisiana that they didn't need to preemptively declare a state of emergency, and that's the reason why all this went apart. People wanted to blame in the media. They blamed George W. Bush from one side to the other. You may not like what he did. You may love what President Bush did when he was in office, but you can't blame Katrina response on him because we are the United States of America and the states have certain, the federal government doesn't just show up and run people over. At least they're not supposed to. Uh, I want to play the DeSantis clip again and get your reaction to it on the other side of this break. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. More to come in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls. 800-227-5278. Dan Seaborn's book, Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving it away. He's the leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors and uh, is pretty transparent about how to help kids of all ages, whether you're parenting your younger kids or grandparenting them and you just don't know how to communicate with them, or if you are in an adult child situation where you've got one of those kind of renegade off the beaten path, uh, you know, uh, kids in your world, uh, this is a great resource. Um, as the latest update from the New York Times regarding Florida is uh, over one and a half million Floridians have lost power right now in a state of 25 million people. That's a lot or 20 million. Um, Governor DeSantis says the storm surge has reached 12 foot waves in some places. Um, and here's the, the troubling part about what's going on here. Uh, it, it's not fun to hear this, but it's reality. Um, the rescue team is basically telling people that in some places it is too dangerous for them to actually get in and try to rescue. I mean, the storm is still hitting. One of the big challenges with Hurricane Ian is that it is uh, slow moving. This isn't like, you know, that cartoon twister that just kind of blasts through and knocks everything out in its wake and then off you go. Uh, literally, it's to the point where officials are trying to take down the residences of people who are calling and they'll, they'll deploy the resources once the storm has passed. But one thing you cannot question is Governor Ron DeSantis and his leadership in Florida right now. I mean, from the Disney challenge, from the, uh, what, the, the don't say gay bill uh, debacle from the left that had nothing to do with that. I mean, this is a guy who's fought for the integrity of the family. He's fought for the integrity of the church. Uh, he's fought for the dignity of children. Remember, the so-called, quote, unquote, don't say gay bill had the audacity to let parents know if their kids were being counseled at public schools with regard to their gender or sexuality. That literally banned public schools from introducing pro-homosexual grooming literature in the guise of history books or uh, human sexuality classes, things like that, 
until kids got to the fourth grade. This is what the this is that whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing. I mean, it really is where the left lobby is so incensed and so consumed with grooming small children for this type of uh, unnatural sexual behavior, as the scripture calls it. That and again, uh, that's what the scripture calls it. That's that that's not a difficult <clears throat> a difficult mode for us to follow because, quite frankly, this is what the Word of God says: living and active. And so, the idea that it shouldn't be introduced to young children at all, full stop. It's something that adults have a hard time processing, and many gay rights activists and transgender activists will tell you that one of the reasons why that well, we, this isn't a big deal because kids don't really they won't have the depression and they won't have any you know, physical challenges with that surgery and whatever until after they're 18. So they're adults, so it's no big deal. Well, why are you introducing it during these formative years? Formative emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Why would you do that? Ron DeSantis stuck, stood up to that lobby and actually signed a bill that would protect kids up through third grade. If, in all honesty, if anybody should be up in arms, it should be us as parents and grandparents saying, why didn't this bill cover K through 12 instead of K through three? But the left wouldn't have anything. Don't say gay. Don't say gay. That's what the bill says. That's not what the bill says. Nowhere in that bill in Florida will you find that Governor DeSantis instructed teachers to never use the word gay again. But Ron DeSantis has shown a lot of great leadership during this time. I play this clip again because he, this is at yesterday's presser, as they say in the industry. Of course, things are you know updating quickly. But not to give you a status update on what's happening in Florida, because the latest, according to the New York Times, a million and a half Floridians have lost power. And, and please know, this is your ABC part of this segment. Please know, the left-leaning media is desperate for this to be widespread devastation as long as it doesn't mess up their homes. They want Ian to be a nightmare. They want Hurricane Ian to come in and destroy most of Florida because that dastardly Ron DeSantis is there. The same Ron DeSantis who actually gave credit where credit was due to President Biden for providing resources and making everything available and, and working in cooperation. This is kind of like when Gavin Newsom had to tip his cap to Donald Trump during the pandemic. It's the same type of thing going on. And even then, the left doesn't care. They're still trying to crucify this guy for the things he says, and now he's out of touch with reality, even when he's praising their leader. But listen to this exchange with a reporter who is quoting the director of FEMA and trying to you know, start something by saying, oh, the director of FEMA said that your response is kind of lax, kind of lackadaisical, like you're not really doing anything, like you're not really taking this seriously, knowing that no one in the room would know whether or not that was actually spoken. The left likes to just invent quotes. <laughs> Straw men are their, their, their biggest voting flock. Okay, uh, Todd, let's go ahead and roll the clip again. This is Ron DeSantis' response yesterday to a reporter suggesting that he wasn't taking this hurricane seriously enough. FEMA Administrator Chris Wells said today that she acknowledged concerns that uh, Florida's, as was said, lacks response to the storm so far. and that Whoa, 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 whoa. give me a break. That is nonsense. Stop politicizing, okay? Stop it. 
We declared a state of emergency when this thing wasn't even formed. We've had people in here, you've had counties doing, uh, they've done a lot of hard work. And, and honestly, you're trying to attack me, I get, but like you're attacking these other people who've worked very hard. And so, so that's just totally false. Um, I don't think we've ever, certainly since I've been governor, declared a state of emergency this early. Uh, we made sure that we were very inclusive with it. We said that there was a lot of uncertainty and, and we've worked to make sure um, the preparations that have been done and all the, the stuff, you talk to the people at the counties when they've needed something, stuff gets there very quickly because of what Kevin and his team have done. It's interesting how what really happened, and I'm looking at FEMA's website. Uh, this is from two days ago, by the way. FEMA, FEMA.gov issued a statement with regard to Florida's response. President Biden approved, this is earlier, that this is September 25th. Today is September 28th. President Biden has approved Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' request for an emergency declaration effective September 24th ahead of Tropical Storm Ian. At the time, they didn't know if it was going to be a hurricane or not. The declaration authorizes FEMA to provide support for emergency protective measures, including direct federal assistance under the public assistance program. As Tropical Storm Ian develops, its track and intensity will change. Residents in Florida should ensure that they have their hurricane plans in place and closely monitor local media for forecast updates, directions provided by local officials, and heed evacuation orders if you are told to evacuate, evacuate. It goes on from there. September 25th, <clears throat> dated September 24th, and yet this clown shows up at this meeting, this presser, and has the audacity to say, well, I heard the FEMA director say that you aren't taking this seriously. And by the way, it's lackadaisical as opposed to laxadaisical. So you might have a lax attitude, but it's lackadaisical, just in case you're wondering. It took me a while to figure that one out, too. Governor DeSantis is doing everything he possibly can. Short of, as Dennis Prager once said, all the critics of George W. Bush want to know why he doesn't get out there with super breath and blow Hurricane Katrina back into the ocean. I think that's a fair assessment here. But you see, and I'm glad, I'm grateful that the governor called out a reporter for politicizing this. Who cares that 1.5 million Floridians don't have power? Who cares that 11 million Cubans don't have power right now? That what makes this so ominous is the fact that you can track it, you can watch it happening, and Hurricane Ian is taking his jolly sweet time to make his way through the Florida panhandle. But let's throw a little political barb in there because we know that Charlie Crist, a former Republican, is running against you for governor, Governor DeSantis, and let's see if we can get a couple of digs in on you again. Well, you know, the director of FEMA says that you aren't taking this very seriously now, are you? Uh, what do you say to that? You've heard the old barb about the, the asking the unanswerable straw man question. Senator, is it true that you and your wife are still having marital problems? You know, is your kid still using drugs? How do you answer to that? Yes, no. I mean, and yet they're loaded with these questions. How do you respond to the fact that the director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency says that your response has been kind of lackadaisical or lackadaisical? And you heard what Governor DeSantis said. Now, I have a question for you, because we've had this conversation before about the other front runner on the GOP side. The election that's coming up, I realize it's a midterm election, and things could change dramatically if Charlie Crist does knock off Ron DeSantis 
and DeSantis is no longer governor of Florida. But if Ron DeSantis wins and he's elected for another term to serve the Floridians that he serves so well right now, and 2023 rolls around and it's campaign season and debate season and all of a sudden people are liking them, a military veteran, some people call him a career politician, but you know, quite frankly, he's got a lot more uh, experience in dealing with that than the previous Republican president who served us in 2017 through 2020. What do you think of Ron DeSantis and the way he's handling things? Does he seem like a credible presidential candidate to you? 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, uh, today's Everyone Wednesday. If you're calling in for the call-in segment, that's great. Look forward to hearing from you. But if you'd like to win something, you can call in for the call-in segment and <laughs> win a prize too. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. Newport Bay Mortgage has a great opportunity for you if you're 62 years of age and want a reverse mortgage, or if you're 55 and want one of these new programs that can work like a reverse mortgage and a HELOC all at the same time. For more information, call Cliff today at Newport Bay Mortgage, 714-741-8080, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line show. I'm Roger Marsh, and here on Everyone Wednesday, everyone who calls into the program is going to win something today, if you so choose. We have a lot of people who call in for the call-in segments and say, nah, save it for somebody else. That's fine. I just wanted to share my opinion on what's going on and what the topic is. Our topic for the balance of the program today is Ron DeSantis. Uh, governor DeSantis was giving a press. Of course, he's the governor of Florida. Florida's being pummeled by Hurricane Ian right now. It's a what they call a heavy Category 4. I think we've finally gotten to the point now where the National Weather Service, the National Oceanic Service, and everybody who tracks hurricanes and typhoons and stuff like that. First, we had to go through the PC thing. If they were always named for women, and so now we have equal opportunity. Every other one is named either for a woman or a man. So Hurricane Ian, I, uh, next up is going to be uh, Janet or Joanna or something like that, uh, because that we want to we want to be fair, you know, that type of thing. Now we're getting into relative uh, degrees of uh, intensity. Remember Superstorm Sandy uh, that we were told in the 2012 election was Hurricane Sandy and everybody was all panicked. Why? Not because it was a hurricane, because it was coming to New Jersey, it was coming to D.C., it was coming to New York the seat of power in America. 
what are we going to do? And the Republicans lost their mind because the Republican governor, Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, actually did some campaigning with President Barack Obama saying, we got this. New Jersey's going to be fine. I think the White House is doing a great job. And you're a turncoat. You're a traitor. And it's like, well, no, the president is supposed to work with the governors. In this case, President Biden approved Ron DeSantis's, uh, Ron DeSantis's uh, request for emergency help. Uh, it was made on the 24th, and the president signed it on the 25th, and then the governor of Florida said, hey, thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that. So when his leadership skills are being called into question, what do you say about the FEMA director saying that you have a lax attitude toward this whole thing? I, I for one, am grateful that Ron DeSantis kind of jumped down this guy's throat and says, oh, come on, don't do that. Look at all the different agencies. They're all doing a great job. We're doing a great job. No one's taking this lying down. Stop politicizing this. This is about saving people's lives. No one cares if you're Republican or Democrat or independent or peace and freedom or whatever. Let's do this. And I thought, you know, it was very refreshing to hear somebody stay presidential, but to not, you know, cut, to not be so stoic that they didn't act like they, they acted like they didn't care. What do you think? What do you think of Ron DeSantis' chances? 800-227-5278. Let's go to the phones now. Uh, Bill in Los Angeles. Bill, welcome to the bottom line. Thanks. Uh, Ron DeSantis is horrible. It's like Trump all over again. You hurt his feelings. You act like a two-year-old. He's horrible. He's the worst choice possible. Bill, what what leads you? What leads you to believe that he is that horrible? Are you talking oh, just his emotions, his personality? I remember. I remember that. Things? I remember that video clip of him with the kids who were wearing masks. And he looks at them and he says, what's going on here? This is ridiculous. No, it isn't ridiculous. These kids are trying to protect themselves. And he, because he didn't believe in masks, has to try to act like an ignoramus up there and, 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 and make these kids feel foolish. That's a kind, that's the tip of the iceberg. This is the type of thing this guy is. Don't say gay and all this other stupid legislation, which really is not going to make a difference because nobody at a very young age learns about sex in schools anyway but this guy gotta be he talk about getting away from being political that's all this guy is he's gonna run for president okay well bill thank you for your comments i think we can agree to disagree on this one when you think about the don't say gay bill for example as it was called by the media uh the kids are being taught in school in public school about sex and sexuality the left has gotten a hold of the curriculum that you see in public schools, and it is hypersexualized. And I know it's been a while since I've been in school. It's probably been a while since you've been in school too, Bill. And it, it, it doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing that we would expect to find in public schools. But I think part of the reason why you're seeing a mass exodus from public schools and, and the numbers who are leaving are dramatic. With Lance Azumi joined me from Pacific Research Institute uh, last week, and we talked about how many students nationwide are leaving public schools uh, if they're staying in the public school system, they're looking for charter schools, they're going to private schools, uh, parochial schools, you know, a faith-based or other religious uh, organization, or they are um, also, you know, coming at this from just doing homeschooling. But the number of students nationwide is 2 million that have left the schools. And here in the Southern California, well, the state of California area, uh, public school enrollment is down from 6.2 million to 5.8 million just in a couple of years. And part of the reason why we're seeing that is because parents are tired of the fact that their five-year-olds are being 
asked questions about their gender, asked questions about their sexuality. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago when you went to you know kindergarten and the big question on the playground was girls and boys were figuring out that we had different body parts. You know, I mean, remember the different equipment there. And that's about as innocent as it was. But nowadays, you've got four and five-year-olds being asked, are you really a boy? Are you really a girl? Are you gender fluid? Are you non-binary? I mean, kids, trust me, kids with a vivid imagination might want to think they're Superman. But at the end of the day, are they? Well, no, that's part of their imagination where they're growing and developing. And part of the maturing process and the adult process is learning, hey, you know what? The world doesn't revolve around me. I was born this way in terms of my gender, not assigned by a doctor, not assigned to me at birth, but, you know, de determined by God. And, uh, you know, you can accuse Ron DeSantis of being, you know, playing politics. I mean, I, I think that would be a fair uh, assessment if, if he were just doing nothing but trying to pose for pictures and things like that. But when I look at, say, oh, this is, a, I think, a fair comparison, Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, the showman, versus Ron DeSantis, who everybody knows if you're going to be in politics, there's a little theater involved, but he's actually passing good legislation that works. So, uh, but I thank you for your call. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line show. We're talking about Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, who made headlines just yesterday uh, in dealing with the issue of a reporter's question about whether or not he's got a lax attitude toward what's happening with Hurricane Ian. And my question to you is, well, based on this and other speeches, uh, do you think that Ron DeSantis is, would make a good presidential candidate? We've had one vote saying rather emphatically, no, I'd love to hear what you have to think. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had 450000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. A little blue clear sky for you here on the West Coast. Not having to deal with the uh, uh, the challenges of what's happening in Florida right now and Georgia, the whole Panhandle area, and even the Gulf of Mexico. As Hurricane Ian is doing his thing, Category Four with a bullet, and uh, uh, moving even more closer to Category Five. Eight hundred two two seven five two seven eight. The call-in question for the segment today. You got a few minutes left if you want to get a comment in before we leave the air for the day is with regard to Ron DeSantis. Uh, a lot of people on the conservative side heard his clip from earlier today where he uh, stands up to a challenge from a reporter who asks him, uh, you know, the director of FEMA says that you're and I'll be honest with you. I've been looking for the quote from the director of FEMA saying that 
they're concerned that Ron DeSantis had a lackadaisical or lackadaisical attitude toward uh, Hurricane uh, Ian, and I'm not finding it. Uh, maybe not looking in the right sources yet, but doing my best to search it because I'd love to see what the context was with that and whether the reporter did in fact hear it and what was the whole deal, or is it something that is another one of those straw men arguments that happens so often in the political world that very few people will dig deeper to find out. And as we do our analysis, balance, and clarity here at the Bottom Line Show, uh, we want to get to the, the, the point. I'm grateful that Bill called in and shared his uh, rather passionate uh, reason why uh, the uh, uh, Ron DeSantis would not make a good president. Uh, I, I will respectfully disagree on that one. I'm not going to say beg to differ, but uh, I respectfully disagree. You know, the thing about leadership that's so challenging in the 21st century is that very issue, though, that I mentioned before the break. And that is there ha there's a certain measure of theater that goes on. And it, it's tougher and tougher to find somebody who A, will run, B, can afford to run, and C, once they do run, has the right appeal for everyone who would be potentially voting for them. I mean, I think deep down in our heart of hearts, every American citizen wants to know that the men and women who are running for office really have our best interest in mind. The representatives in the House of Representatives really do represent us. That's what we want. The senators really do represent us. The president, when, when we have a president stand up in front of the country, knowing that we've been so polarized and divided and says, I really want to help bring the country together. We're trusting and believing that that person really does want to do it. But you can make a pretty compelling case that when it comes to leadership, you have a president right now who really doesn't care. He wants to bring together the people who agree with him. You had a president before who saw himself as an outsider and saw an opportunity to bring together people who felt like they'd been left behind. President before that, definitely a socialist globalist, and his idea of bringing things together was kind of bringing the influence of America down so that it would blend in more with the world. And then you've got a career political family guy who was before that. You know, the, the, the list just goes on and on. One of the things that I think we in the body of Christ can do that would be a huge benefit to the nation in this midterm election and in the 2024 presidential election is to stop trying to elect a pastor. I'll say that again. We should stop trying to elect a pastor to occupy 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Pastoral role, to a certain extent, yes. But oftentimes, I think we have a tendency to look at the men and women that we are putting up you know, on pedestals and either for the White House or governorships or Senate, Congress, whatever. And we're looking for the best spiritual quality we can find, and we're willing to maybe overlook some of their experience in other areas so that they could just be good, godly people. The system has become so corrupt when it comes to running for office that I really don't get surprised anymore when somebody who we know is a man or woman of character will say things like, I work this deal because I think that the greater good will be, you know, whatever. Ted Cruz is getting uh, beat up pretty badly right now for crossing the aisle and actually supporting a bill that was written by Democrat Senator Amy Klobuchar. And why could you do that? She's a liberal. She's them and you're us and you know, shame on you. When you get right down to it, it is an imperfect system. You really do do the best you possibly can. But first and foremost, whether we are the constituents who are voting or people who are running for office, and God bless the men and women, the pastors, the business owners who are saying, I'm running for city council, I'm running for school board, 
I'm doing whatever I possibly can to help out. I think it's wonderful. We should be supporting them in their efforts. But let's be more prayerful than political. Doesn't mean you can't do both. But first and foremost, I would urge you, as you get Roger's recommendations, bottomlineshow.com, you can download them there on my takes on all the propositions. You can go to Election Forum, Craig Huey's outstanding site, punch in your area of where you're voting from. And he's got local, you know, dog catcher, city commissioner type of things, as well as some statewide recommendations as well. And Jason Yates, myfaithvotes.org and Deb Withrow and iVoterGuide.com. As we consider the people that were at voting into office, let's not forget a nation founded on biblical principles now has the overwhelming majority of Americans who believe that Christianity is no longer the compass. It's no longer the standard. I was talking with a pastor earlier today, and he said it looks like most of the data indicate that people outside the church question the morality of the church anymore. So rather than trying to turn to the ballot box to solve our problems, maybe we should just keep going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Yes, by all means, vote, but pray more than you think about voting. That's the bottom line.